0: Hi there. I hope you're enjoying the Anglo-Saxon England podcast. If you are, I wanted to let you know that we have a Facebook page, Anglo-Saxon England podcast on Facebook, and we recently joined Instagram, again Anglo-Saxon England podcast on there, where I post pictures and facts about podcasts, things relating to the podcasts like archaeological finds and such. If you would like to support the podcast, i would like to request that you leave a like or a comment or a positive rating or a subscribe on whatever platform you use. It really helps us out because it because it boosts the podcast and the various algorithms that these different sites have, and so it gets more eyes and helps to spread awareness of what we're doing here. Another way you can support is through Patreon, where for a monthly donation of $3, $5 or $10, you get a variety of rewards, and Not to give anything away, but there are some more rewards planned for the future, like potentially bonus content, if that's something you would be interested in. Anything at all helps, and it is all greatly appreciated. I couldn't continue doing this podcast without the support of listeners like you. What? I'm your host Tom Kearns, and welcome to the Anglo-Saxon England podcast, episode 23, Tamworth, Arken on Tame. Before proceeding with our series on the history of Mercia, I wanted to take a quick pause this week and look at a place that is very near to my heart, being that I grew up very close to there, um, a place that is often referred to as the quote capital of Mercia. End quote the town I'm talking about is the city of Tamworth in Staffordshire. Growing up, I would fairly regularly visit Tamworth and for a summer while I was doing my undergraduate, I volunteered at Tamworth Castle, which is really worth visiting if you're in the area particularly if you're interested in Anglo-Saxon history because they've recently expanded their museum, the section of their museum dealing with the Anglo-Saxon period. Because, as I'll talk about in this episode, Tamworth was quite an important settlement in the Anglo-Saxon period. I want to say something first, though, about, specifically about the claim that Tamworth was the capital of the Kingdom of Mercia. For much of Anglo-Saxon history, the idea of a capital in the sense that we would understand it today is anachronistic. Anglo-Saxon kings tended to be itinerant, and would have a circuit of royal villes, called Tunas in Old English, that they would visit along with their household and court throughout the year. At these Tunas, assemblies of locals would be called, local matters would be dealt with, and royal justice would be administered. The Tunas system was in effect a way of keeping order in the various subdivisions of a kingdom, while also asserting the dominance of the royal figurehead. As has been discussed repeatedly throughout this podcast so far, Anglo-Saxon royal power was essentially charismatic, and relied on the king's personal presence and majesty for it to survive. Tamworth itself probably originated as one of these tunas. It was located in the territory of an Anglian tribe called the Tomsetter. If you'll recall from episode 18, when I discussed the tribal hideage. The suffix setter, which occurs in some of the tribal names in the West Midlands, has been suggested by some scholars to indicate communities which emerged out of a mixture of Anglian and Romano-British groups. We really don't know anything about the tom setter except their name, so it's difficult to really be too definitive about this. What we do know, though, is that the first part of their name derives from the river on whose banks they settled, the river Tame. The name of this river was given to both the people of the region and to their settlements, such as an otherwise unknown settlement that we find referred to in some written documents called a Tamtun, that is, the town of Tam, or Tame. Tamworth itself doesn't seem to have come into existence until the reign of Offa, at least there's no direct reference to it before then. The first recorded reference to Tamworth comes from a charter issued by Offa in the year 781 to the church at Worcester. In this charter, Arthur says that he was issuing it from a place called Tamworthy, and this name tells us something about what Tamworth was like in the year 781. It's a combination of Tam, which, as I already mentioned, is the Old English form of the name Tame, and Worthy, a suffix indicating an important enclosed place. Archaeological evidence from other royal sites in Mercia at this time indicates that they were often heavily fortified. Since the Anglo-Saxons built pretty much everything other than churches out of wood, not much of these fortifications have survived. But much like Offa's Dyke, such fortifications do leave marks in the earth that can be seen to this day. It's probably in reference to such fortifications that the site from which Offa was issuing his charter in 781 was called Tam Worthy, that is, the important enclosed place on the River Tame. Offer's interest in Tamworth is well documented in other ways too. We know, for example, that he had a large hall built, the foundation of which was seemingly discovered in 1968. There was also a large water mill at Tamworth from at least the mid-9th century on, which used millstones imported from the Rhineland, a testament to the influx of international trade which flowed to Tamworth in the years after Offa's reign. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDSE. Even with this uptick in activity and fortification, we still can't really call Tamworth the capital of Mercia in the modern sense. It was without question one of the most important royal sites in Mercia, but it was not the exclusive abode of the kings. Offa and later Mercian kings would often spend Christmas and Easter at Tamworth, where they would celebrate the festivals in appropriate royal magnificence, but there is no evidence that they were always present there. Rather, they still continue to travel between old royal tunas to fulfil their royal duties. This is in its way still true of the monarch today. Although Buckingham Palace is Elizabeth's most important residence, she doesn't spend all of her time there. True, she isn't as itinerant as an Anglo-Saxon king was, but she nevertheless does travel between residences as they did, even if she doesn't use the opportunity to resolve local disputes and hand out justice. Despite being at most a first among equals of Mercian royal residences, the expansion of Tamworth under offer might well indicate that he desired for it to become the main royal residence for the Mercian kings. This is speculation on my part, but it is interesting to note that Charlemagne, offers continental model for Christian imperial power, undertook something of a revolution in Carolingian power by clearly favouring one royal ville over all others. From the year of his coronation as King of the Franks in 768, Charlemagne regularly wintered at Aachen, today a city in Germany close to the border with Belgium and the Netherlands. Charlemagne lavished patronage on expanding Aachen, and turning it into an imperial palace, the like of which hadn't been seen since the heyday of the Roman Empire. Now, it's easy to just cast everything Offa did as an attempt to emulate Charlemagne, but in this case, it does seem to be a possibility that Offa plans to turn Tamworth into a kind of Aachen on Tame, an imperial capital of his greater Mercia. In this, if not in most of his other imperial projects, offer was certainly successful with Tamworth becoming the single most important center of royal power in the kingdom of Mercia this continued importance can be seen much later in the shiring of Mercia after it was incorporated into Alfred's kingdom of the Anglo-Saxons the shire as i'll talk about when we get on to Wessex was a West Saxon administrative unit, which enabled the administration of local justice through royal representatives called Shire Reeves, the origin of the modern title Sheriff. Often, shires emerged from older social groups and their institutions, but when Mercia was incorporated into Alfred's new kingdom, it had to be divided up into shires to facilitate the continued functioning of royal government there. In doing this, the West Saxons deliberately did not create a Tamworthshire, or Lichfieldshire for that matter, or indeed any shires based around pre-existing Mercian political centres, as had naturally developed in Wessex. This was a way of ensuring that Mercian nobles couldn't use these new shires as a way to organise military opposition to their incorporation in the new kingdom. Tamworth, then, was still a hub of Mercian power and the new kings were wary of allowing that power too much room to grow. This was ultimately a legacy of Offa's imperial designs, and even if he didn't create an imperial palace at Tamworth, he nevertheless firmly established it as a city that even today is still remembered as the capital of the Mercians. Thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Anglo-Saxon England podcast. If you have, I'd like to ask that you leave a like, comment, or subscribe on whatever platform you listen to this on. You consider following our new Instagram account, Anglo-Saxon England Podcast, on Instagram. And if it's at all possible, consider supporting us on Patreon. Anything and everything is greatly appreciated, and even if you can't, just knowing that you're listening and interested in itself is enough. But that's enough from me. Once again, I've been your host, Tom Kearns, and thank you for listening to the Anglo-Saxon England podcast. Hello, this is Gary Chachot, welcoming you to check out the French History Podcast. Our main show covers the history of France from the first humans until present. If you liked Mike Duncan's The History of Rome and wanted a similar program covering the land of beauty, culture, and love, we are exactly that.